does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And into the bye week with a win in Germany. Five and five. The Indianapolis Colts through ten weeks of the season. I am Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with us here. This is the only edition of Kevin's Corner here this week. As we get into the bye week, we'll come back next week. Have our normal Monday and Wednesday action. The Monday pod obviously be a little bit more big picture focus. Just some bye week takeaways. But recapping that epic one from yesterday I, I don't know if that's maybe the right word to use but uh 10-6 winners Colts over the Patriots Eddie how you doing doing well coming up next week uh we'll have Dane Brugler yes. from your conversation yes. that you'll have on the with the wake-up call with yourself and Andy Sweeney your co-host on uh Wednesday so looking forward to hearing what Mr. Brugler has to say regarding the uh some of the top prospects in college right now yeah always enjoy that i think it's kind of like a bi-week tradition we do and i, I think honestly no matter what your record is and you i think you always kind of have one eye towards the future of what uh draft looks like um so always enjoy dane's thoughts so yeah he's going to join us here and we'll uh, play that for you coming up on next monday's pod uh, but again today we'll keep it you know pretty normal in terms of a game recap and you know colts fans out there torn about this one in a way I, I say just freeze frame the bill belichick hands to the head after the bailey zappy <laughs> fake spike interception put that on your desk hell put that in front of your family for the week and just look at that after what belichick has done to you over the last couple of decades and um you know i think these wins and honestly it's two weeks in a row eddie that's difficult to kind of be black and white with them because there's an element of you play who shows up on your schedule mm-hmm and to steal a phrase from golf, there's no pictures on the scorecard. Sure, I want to hear about your round, but ultimately I just want to know what you shot. And so right now it says 5-5 five and five in the standings, and the Colts are going to be in that little, that little category that says in the hunt. The Colts are in that, and they're going to be in it for several more weeks. And now it's up to you when you get back from your bye week when the schedule does get a little bit tougher. I don't think it's overwhelmingly tough, but I think it will get tougher. Um, do you play better than the last 120 minutes? Because I think you look at the last two weeks, and if you want to remain in the hunt or in the playoffs, or however want, however you want these final seven weeks to play out, unquestionably you have to play better than you have um, each of the last two weeks now. So again, I I'm, I feel like I'm a little repetitive in what I said last week. And I, I, does this team play to their competition? I, I through 10 weeks, you could probably point to. More often than not, they have played to their competition, good and bad. It's probably why they are five and five. And you know the AFC standings, Eddie. It looks wild. I mean, if you look at teams right now, this is before Monday night, which you should be cheering for the Broncos to beat the Bills Monday night. Uh, but you look at teams three to thirteen; they're separated by just two games in the entire conference. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the schedule the rest of the way, the Colts are right now tenth in the AFC. Uh, you play the team fifth in the AFC. And the Steelers. You play the team seventh in the AFC. You already beat them. That would be Houston a second time. You play the team eighth. That would be Cincinnati. And you play the team right behind you, the Raiders, in 11th. So you have so many opportunities here down the stretch. And so much of me thinks it could boil down to that Steeler Bengal back to back, assuming Baltimore wins the North. And honestly, you probably want Baltimore to be in the wild card picture just because. You have the head-to-head over them already versus a team like Cleveland is in the wild-card hunt right now, and you don't have that head-to-head. So, uh, Yeah, those are just kind of my overall thoughts. Again, a survive-and-advance sort of feel to yesterday. You were more competent than them, less inept than them. They're horrible. Belichick, that was a wild display of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess if there were, a, I mean, you could point to a few plays that stood out. We'll probably get into that of kind of like what I liked. But at the end of the day, I just, for a second straight week, I think you sucked less than them. And that's part of winning. Like, I know that might sound like I'm just trying to poke fun at it, but that is a part of playing these games. And the problem is, is you will no longer see Carolina and New England. And if you continue to have that sort of effort, you won't go four and three or five and two in your final seven, whatever you need to do to get into the playoffs. 
You talked about the last 120 minutes. I'll add an additional 30, that second half against New Orleans, too, into that. That's a good point. They haven't played good football, really, ever since that first quarter against the Saints. Yeah, and I want to save some of the Minshew stuff for maybe what I didn't like because, you know, I think you can point to really kind of that second half where things started to unravel there and and it's also weird eddie that they'll come home after the bye and it's like wait are they good at home or no you know right. you, you you're you're playing you know on, on paper i'm looking at this oh wait tampa's got to go cross country to play san francisco this week and then you have the bye that that sets up beautifully but i feel like the last time i did the rams it didn't go well for the colts you know they have not protected home field um, to the level that you would like to see but again nonetheless i think overall exiting sunday you're five and five you're in the hunt. You have a chance. You have to play better. There is zero doubt about that. You can look at it glass half full and say, we can't play any worse. Or you can look at it glass half empty and say, water's found its level and this is the team. This mm-hmm. is the team that a lot of people thought at the start of the year would would be there. And I think so much is on Shane Steichen's plate to try and resurrect this passing offense and you get Grover Stewart back after two more games and see what happens. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's dive into what you liked since the Colts were winners. I want to start with Dio Adangbo in the pass rush because much like the game against Carolina, that group up front set the tone early for the entire football team in the entire game, really. Yeah, best game of his career. Um, I think I've said this before on the podcast, Eddie. I'm not sure in the Chris Ballard seven-year drafting era if there is a player he's been more obsessed, intrigued, infatuated. I think they, those are all the words that I can think of, of a draft pick than Dio. Honestly, he wanted to take Dio in round one. I remember. Uh, Hurricane you know, Dio. People that... Yeah, I think inside that building said, whoa, 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 you know, year one, or excuse me, round round one, let's not go there. Um, so again, Quiddy Pay was a round one pick that year over Christian Derisau, came down to those two, and then Dio in, in the second round. And, you know, I would have said this last week, Eddie, we have seen some flashes from Dio here recently. You know, he had started to produce a little bit more and more. Um, and when the draft pick was made, I understood where Ballard was coming from. Obviously, the torn Achilles is, I think, what rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but he looked at Dio as kind of New York giant Super Bowl defensive lineman. Um, OC, I always butcher his last name, Yumanura, whatever it is, Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, those guys. Tall, uh, lanky, for, I think Dio's got a little bit more meat on him than maybe. Powerful. Yeah, powerful, versatile, um, you know, can line up a variety of positions. There was one series yesterday I watched Dio. He literally lined up three different spots on three different downs. Um, so that's what makes him pretty unique. And, uh, and uh, honestly, pretty important when you don't have Grover and, you know, Taekwon and Quiddy Pay were banged up early in that game. Um, you really need him. And again, the three sacks yesterday, anytime, obviously the three sacks, very impressive. But I also think he needs to go over to DeForest Buckner's locker and say thank you <laughs> because Buckner attracts and commands so much of a double team, so much of a presence that you get those one-on-ones. And again, you got to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. And there's several guys in this defensive line that don't take advantage of those one-on-ones. But what a day for him. Um, this is a big year for him. You know, This might be something we'll get into maybe more on next Monday's pod when we look back on some of the preseason storylines. But you know, in a section, I kind of group Bernard Ryman and Quiddy Pay together. Considering you know they are the guys more viewed as the starters at mm-hmm. left tackle and edge rush, and again Dio's not an edge rusher. He's you know lines up a lot of different spots, but this is year three of four, and it's a second round pick. So you know he doesn't have the fifth year team option like Quiddy Pay does, but you know this is you know a big time statement year for him. And again, I thought he was outstanding yesterday. And overall, they hit Mac Jones nine times. Um, you know, I thought Mac brought several of those hits upon himself. Gosh, dude, he looks. At times, I feel like he's on stilts back there, trying to watch him move in the pocket. That one scramble he had, I swear, it took ten years for him to get however many yards he did. On oh yeah. Um, but I did think you dictated nice with your pass rush, and obviously they kind of bullied you in the run game. But I thought your pass rush did a nice job of. Make, New England was trying to be balanced. And you didn't let, let them to be largely because of what your defensive front did in that game. Mm-hmm. 
Daiwa Dengwa now leads the team in sacks with six. DeForest Buckner's second with five. They got to be pretty balanced, right? After that, yeah. Quitty pay four and a half. Ebicom four, and then everyone else two or less. Lewis and Taven Bryan with two. Um, sticking with the defense, their red zone defense was outstanding against the Patriots. Didn't let them get into the end zone at all. Uh, forced them to kick two short field goals, and uh, they missed one. Yeah, you know, it was kind of funny. I mean, if you look at it, Eddie, they had several drives that moved. I mean, they had, you know, multiple drives that moved a decent distance. Um, yeah, they had three drives over 60 yards. And those three drives ended with six total points. Uh, that's not good. And obviously they missed the 35-yarder, so you do cut the break there. But you forced a rookie kicker to make kicks, and that was important as well. Um, but I did think your red zone defense, it did bow up and stepped up for you. You know, even the Mac Jones interception, Eddie, that was a horrific throw. You know, honestly, when he threw it, I thought to myself, all right, he, someone from Germany got to him last night and said, I need you to throw the game. But what happened there? That was a first and 10. New England had run it right down your throat on that drive. And then you had, uh, Buckner had gotten Zeke a tackle for loss to make it second and 12. So now you've taken the throwing element and you've put that on the table for Bill O'Brien. It's second and 12 from the 15. You're probably not going to run it there. So you're saying, hey, Mac Jones, you got to throw it. So you put them behind the chains. Uh, so job well done. And, and just boil it down to that, Eddie. I mean, red zone, you converted your what? Your one red zone opportunity, right? That was the only one the Colts got. Yep. After that opening drive. It's crazy to think that opening drive, Taylor again runs it eight straight times in that opening drive. I thought Shane should have challenged the Michael Pittman touchdown, um, but he doesn't. So you go for it on the fourth down. Great effort by Taylor. Great effort by Kylan Granson to kind of stay alive, not give up. You know, he blocked another guy on that play. Um, you really need that on those perimeter runs when it can kind of be on an island 1v1. And then that was it. That was your only red zone appearance all day. The 28-yard line was the closest you got the rest of the afternoon. Easily your worst day offensively. So if you just want to look at one stat from the game of like what it boils down to, you simply open it up, go to the red zone efficiency, you'll see 1 for 1 for the Colts, you'll see 0 for 4 for the Patriots, and that's a difference right there. Five red zone trips, you converted your one, New England missed on all four, and you win the game by four points. If one of those changes... You know, the game is at least into overtime. Was it eight or nine carries for Taylor on that opening drive? I thought it was eight straight. Might have been nine total. Uh, but yeah, eight straight. All right, let me count. Uh, well, yeah, because then, then the ninth would have been his... Um, it was eight straight touches. Eight straight touches or eight straight carries, one of the two. Yeah, he had nine rushes on that. He had eight straight runs. Yeah. But the reason I was asking, because... So he has that opening drive... 9 for 30, he finishes the game 14 for 39. It's been a theme the last couple of games now, in my opinion, where the run game comes out and it starts off well and effective, and then come the second half, right. it's been just putrid. Yeah, and I don't know if defenses all of a sudden say, okay, they've been known to kind of throw teams early, let's play for the balance early, and then Taylor hits them early, and then it's like, all right, screw this. We're loading it even more than we were going to. We're going to make Minshew beat us? I, I, I don't – that's a great question. Because, again, theoretically, and, I, and I've been a huge advocate of this, you know, if you want to think of it from a boxing blow standpoint, you lay some hits on them early, and then the second half you reap some of those benefits. Mm-hmm. I thought – New England did that honestly. They were able to run it so so successfully after halftime. You know, a little bit of wear and tear. You're testing some of that depth without Gardner or without Grover Stewart. Plus, I thought it was disappointing too. You know, very early in that game, New England had a little bit of a surprise inactive in Jawan Bentley, their leading tackler, and then Mac Wilson leaves early in that game. So they were down to their third string signal caller. Yeah. It would be like the Colts losing you know, Zaire Franklin and Seguna Luby and. You would hope at that point Speeder Leonard would slide over to Mike, but like Grant Stewart, you know, being in that Mike Mike spot. So that was disappointing not to see a little bit more uh, from your offense there. Not too many times this year we have complimented this group besides Matt Gay, but the special teams and most notably Isaiah McKenzie providing a little bit of jolt and a little bit of energy because uh, New England has the field goal 
to make it a 7-6 game. And right. then the ensuing kickoff, McKenzie takes it 42 yards, setting the Colts up on a somewhat short field. They started at their own 47, so you only had to get about 15 to 20 yards to get into Matt Gay field goal range. Yeah, and if you want to pinpoint a couple plays, Eddie, we, we mentioned the Taylor fourth and goal. Obviously, the Josh Downs full extension on the third down there late. Just an incredible, incredible play. And Josh Downs is a stud. You know, flat. He's another guy. You point to the bye week and think, okay, glass half full. Downs gets back to full playing time. That helps your passing offense. You know that that, that just would be a, a gamer. Yeah, gamer is a gr- great way to put it. Um, but to me, the special teams unit, whether it was Sanchez's sixty-nine yard punt, not sure what the hell Belichick was thinking, selling out. Nothing says we've got no faith in our offense like selling out on a first or second quarter punt like that. Sixty-nine mm-hmm. yarder, Sanchez rips off. So. If you go to the flip side of it, let's go to the fourth quarter. And special teams in general, they miss a 35-yarder. But, Eddie, as you said, they cut it to 7-6. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, man, now it's back to that field goal possession game. Like, you could easily lose this game. Like, New England has proven. New England, throughout that third quarter, ran it right at you. So, I'm like, if they get the ball, I mean, your offense hasn't been moving it lately. Um, This is not looking good. And when McKenzie sparks that 41-yard return, blocked beautifully, by the way. I thought that was blocked really, really well. Part of it is just the anomaly of you don't see a lot of big kick returns. So that stands out. But to me, that was like the jolt you needed now to where you're at a spot on the field near the 50 that with Matt Gay's range, all you need is really one first down to get into field goal range. And that's exactly what happened. That drive, Taylor goes for five, Taylor goes for two. Then Minshew goes to Pittman on third and three for 14. But then after that, four yards for Taylor. McKenzie loses five on that screen that got blown up. And now it's third and 11 from the 33. Uh, incomplete pass to Pittman. And you trot out Matt Gay for a 51-yarder, and he bangs it home. So I thought your special teams, which to your point, we have not said this a lot about the Colts in 2023, they were a big difference maker. And I know Matt Gay missed one from 57. But, I mean, that's still a long kick outdoors, and they obviously missed one from 35. But whether it was the Sanchez punt flipping field position on a day where you struggled to move it, whether it was this sequence right here, the 41-yard kick return, followed by the Matt Gay field goal, once it got back up to four, I thought to myself, they ain't scoring a touchdown. <laughs> now, they almost did, but I, I, I thought, you know, this is not – the Colts are going to win this game. Um, so I thought that was a huge, huge sequence. Yeah. You think that field goal is good from 56? I, I think he was surprised it was short, too. Yeah, it looked very close. And I know it's kind of a high snap. I thought Sanchez did a great job to get it down there. I love that uh, camera view, by the way. That was a great camera view. Oh, that was so yeah, good. Yeah, that was cool. I love it in general. I know we won't talk a lot about Germany, but I, I just I thought the atmosphere was outstanding. We had a caller who was at the game uh, call in today and share his thoughts and sounded loud and um, really, really cool atmosphere. I, I, I'm a fan of the international games. I know some people don't don't like it. You know, to me, it's once every whatever six or seven years. And I mean, hell, the Colts haven't even given up a home game. International games have been going on since what 2007. Colts sure. have yet to give up a home game. I think yesterday was the 50th one. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a I'm a fan of doing you know a handful of them every year. Yeah, Colts are now one and one yes. outside of the United States of America, losing in London and winning Germany, right? Yeah. It was so cool seeing all those fans sing the Sweet Caroline. Oh, awesome. The West Virginia, um, Wonderwall after the game, the Bernard Ryman emotion for those that haven't seen it afterwards. Outstanding video with him and Stacey Dales. Uh, just really, really cool. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now let's move over to what you did not like. Let's start with the offensive gardener, Minshew. Yeah, to me, Eddie, I see a quarterback that um, that is a bit deer in headlights. I see panic. He was panicking when there when it was a clean pocket sometimes too. I'm like, yeah. what's going on here? And, and let's focus there. Like to me, I see squirreliness, I see jitteriness. I don't see a guy that started 30 games in the NFL. Right. Um I see honestly what I see is the first sign of muddiness occurs to him in the pocket. And I feel like Rosie Bowen's playing with her cousins and she runs up to me saying, Daddy, I gotta go potty, I gotta go potty, I gotta go potty. And she's like <laughs> doing circles around me. 
And I'm like, okay, 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 calm down. Let's go potty. That's what I feel like when that pocket breaks down for that split, and not even breaks down. Breaks down is way too harsh of a term. Like, one bit of the nice arc that you envision snapping and snap out, once that arc comes slightly bent, he's done. He's out of there. And they had no sacks yesterday, and I'm like, well, I guess he bailed every time, like, there was even a sniff of pressure. I'm like, there's an element of, like, you got to hang in there. Okay, so I, I, I walk away from this, and I'm like, why? Or check it down. Like, sure. There were times when I was watching that, I'm like, Taylor's open as the check down. I'm like, just check it down. Right. right. Don't try to play hero ball. Just check it down. And, and and so I walk away from them thinking, okay, why? Why is this happening? And I think the only reasonable explanation I have for it, Eddie, is he's gun shy from the turnovers from earlier in the season. Mm. You know, he's thinking to himself, I, and, and remember, what were those turnovers? A lot of them were, were strip sacks, not interceptions. So I'm looking at it like he's thinking, I've got to stay away from any of those potential plays. Um, so that's why I try to make sense of it there. Um, I, I don't know if that's right or not. I mean, I thought your pass protection was pretty decent. And, you know, when he had time, Eddie, he's, he was just a hair off all afternoon. You know, the overthrow to Granson, slight overthrow to Moali Cox. And again, you could probably say slide overthrow to, to to Granson, but those are plays that you got to hit, even when you're Minshew. I mean, he's known as an accurate guy. Didn't he miss Downs a little bit early on? Yeah. I mean, hell, Downs kind of bailed him out there. On a very similar type of play, he yeah. was he was moving to the left this time instead of the right, and he threw it downfield, and Downs dove for it, but he was just out of his reach. You know, he he survived the interception. I mean, that was obviously a a poor play. I think he's now 2-11. and 11. Um, when throwing a pick in his career, could be two and twelve. I, I have to double check, but yeah, two and eleven. His wins, Colts and the Patriots. Hmm, that's interesting. I just don't think his decision making is like the processing. Like I go back to the Kyle Hamilton performance against the Ravens, and I'm like, I felt like he struggled processing, like recognizing where it's coming from, knowing where to go with it, knowing where it's coming from, and then how to distribute it and not make a bad play worse. I thought some of the RPO decisions and zone read stuff were a little questionable, too. Um, again, there are some plays where I look at I'm like, well, he bailed the pocket, he kept it alive, and he found McKenzie on a third and five or, you know, did something. But I also think, like, did he need to bail the pocket? Um, and, and I just think his overall lack of effectiveness, Eddie's hurting the run game. I think teams have looked at the Colts now and they've said, all right, press the hell out of them, load the box, and see what happens. That's that's the blueprint. That's what we're going to do, and we're going to see what what happens with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not like New England is some vaunted, vaunted defense. I know they're a pretty good run defense team, but still, to have not a single drive in your final, would they have probably eight real drives the rest of the game, have not one of them get past the 28-yard line, very, very disappointing there. So, you know, Minshew... Overall offense in general, but I think a lot of it falls to his feet because I thought the O-line did a pretty nice job. Um, even some of his completions, Eddie, it was like, hell of a catch by Pierce, mm-hmm. hell of a catch by Downs, hell of a catch by Pittman. And I know there's some elements of that in every game, but I felt like he even bailed them out at times. So Gardner Minshew, that dude needs to enjoy the bye. Again, I think it's mental. I think it's scar tissue. I think it's gun shy. I think it's all that dude needs to have the bye week of his life. <laughs> Party your ass off. Do whatever you need to. Come back. Do things you wouldn't tell your grandkids about. If you need to use a Wizenator, use the Wizenator. Come back refreshed and ready to go. There is like 98% of truth in what I just said there. In what I think he needs to do. Because he just looks... It's not like I've ever thought he looks elite. But Eddie, he just looks... Every drop back to me is uneasy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, that's not what I'm used to with him. At all. So, I don't know what needs to change, but something needs to. Maybe just the week off lets him refresh and, you know, kind of just clean his mind, get right. I don't know what you need to put in your body to make sure the mind is clean or you know what else, but just do it. Do it. Don't just show up with Shane Steichen on Monday and say, all right, coach, I'm not going to tell you about my last week, but I'm ready to go. Uh, Alec Pierce played 55 of the 57 snaps yesterday. One target, one catch. I was going to guess un catch. Yep. And another very quiet day for the tight ends, right? Mm-hmm. Mallory with one and Granson with one, and that's it. 
Yeah, Bo Wiley Cox played 34, so that was about 60% of the snaps. Granson probably played a good amount. He did. He played 56%. Yep. Downs, two catches in his 14 snaps. Mm-hmm. I thought McKenzie, yeah, four for 31. I mean, I, I, I know one of those is a big loss. He had that big third down on the opening drive. Yeah. First third down of the game. Big one there, so... Yeah, you need more. You need more from Minshew, and that would be your biggest offensive worry without question heading into the bye week. In conclusion, for what you did not like, we've already touched on it briefly, the run defense, Ramondre Stevenson, 88 yards on 20 carries, Ezekiel Elliott, 54 yards on 13 carries. Yeah, I thought overall, Eddie, it was the most you've missed Minchu for, or uh, the most you've missed Grover Stewart for sixty minutes. Agreed. You know, there's been sprinkles in some other games, but I thought, and credit to Belichick for this. About the only credit I'll give it, give him it throughout the whole game. At some point, there was a commitment of like, we just need to pound the hell out of it and and run it right at them, and they did. I mean, they ran it right up the middle with great success. And it's not like they had any passing game to balance it off or whatever, keep the Colts nervous about it at all. So two more games without them. I don't think Tampa, you know, has that sort of commitment to you. Um, obviously, you'll, you'll see Tennessee in the final game of the Stewart six-game suspension. So we'll see, you know, how it looks then. Um, but you're going to have to survive these next couple weeks without him because – Again, I continue to think that is a blueprint. Tampa Bay is the worst rushing offense in the NFL. Yes. Wow. Uh, Tennessee's 10th. So, uh, I guess that's to be expected to a degree. Cheers. Yeah, as I take a swig of this water here. So, um, yeah. What else did I not like? That's it. Was that it? Yep. Yeah. Again, I just thought I, – I thought you got bullied. And it's, you know, it's rare for me to say that about the Colts, particularly their run defense. But I thought – New England just kind of lined it up and ran it right at you. What were the final totals for those two? 88 for Ramondre, 4.4 average. Zeke, 54, 4.2 average. I mean, that's turning back the clock for Zeke, too. You know? He's not doing that. Boy, Leonard had some big whiffs in the screen game, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, New England, 4.6, 36 for 167. You just don't see teams do a lot of that in today's NFL. Yep. Without the, I mean, what was their long run? Fifteen, Mac Jones. Yeah, and what uh, was Stevenson's long run was ten. Yep. I mean, I yeah. So it's not like they they but I mean it was just a methodical bully, bully, bully. Um, eight yards. Not seven like yeah, yards. yeah. Not like they had like a big you know thirty eight yarder which can kind of skew some things. Yeah. Anything else you would like to add? Are you ready for Twitter questions? L- let's do Twitter questions. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Conroy is up first. He's happy for the win. But respectfully, what is the deal with Minshew and his happy dance when in the pocket? There's sometimes it feels like there's zero pressure on the guy and he's scrambling for his life. Is he not able to see? I don't understand. It feels like it's always a mad scramble when he drops back. Gosh, it, it does. I mean, he's just so uneasy, man. So uneasy. I, it, to me, the most shocking thing with Minshew, again, is the lack of processing. I mean, we're watching a guy that has 30 starts in the NFL. I mean, that's a good number. Been in the league for a long time. I, maybe it's his first time seeing a Belichick defense. Maybe we only, I don't know, maybe we only saw the good. In camp, Eddie, to be fair, there was really nothing downfield with him. So I was always kind of concerned about that. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, what happens when teams game plan for him? Yeah. And like, are we finally starting to see that? Teams are fully, fully immersed in the game plan. Because again, when was he at his best this year? In relief in Houston and relief in Tennessee. They didn't game plan for him. Both games in which he entered with the lead, too, by the way. Yeah. So it's almost like, look at the times when he was game plan for, you know, versus when he when he wasn't. Chris is up next. Gardner Minshew is Carson Wentz 2.0. Change my mind. Uh, is he even that good? Carson Wentz? <laughs> yeah, is he is he even as good as Wentz? I mean, Wentz was, like, I, I feel like people act like Wentz was the worst effing quarterback in the world in 2021. He was not that. He was mm. not great. I, you could argue he was not good, but... 
I would take Carson Wentz 2021 over Gardner Minshew right now. He still made plays to win you games. Well, like and, and Arizona, how many, for example, there there just hasn't been that with Minshew. Right, and I think there's also the misconception that like Wentz turned it over constantly. I, I don't know. Are the turnover numbers com- comparable? What did what did Wentz have that year? Yeah, Ooh. the 20 – I know a lot of people bring up the 27 touchdowns to seven picks. How many fumbles lost did he have? Good question. Let me look that up. That would be something that – I'd be curious about. I mean, certainly late late in the season, you could not move it. But over the course of seventeen games, that once we saw that year, I'd take that over the Minshew this year. Um, still pulling up. Minshew's lost five fumbles. Is that it this year? Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, five's a big number for only you know for a quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many games has he started? Six. This season, yeah, six mm-hmm. starts, yeah. How many did he have? He had two against uh, Cleveland. Yeah, so six fumble, or excuse me, five fumbles on the year for him. And I go back and look at Wentz. Wentz had eight for a seventeen-game season. So if you extrapolate that out, Minshew's on pace to have more fumbles than Wentz, and interception-wise, it would certainly be higher than seven. One point four percent. That was Wentz's interception rate back in that season, and. Um, Gardner is at this is this makes for great radio, doesn't it? Well, it's a good thing we're not radio. Two point three percent. So yeah, that is even higher. Colin brings up something that you've talked about in recent pods, KB. Uh, since the Colts are five and five and their offense is trash, at what point do you decide to move on from Gardner Minshew and either bring someone in or start Sam Ellinger? Because there's no way you can do anything in the playoffs with Gardner Minshew. Insert Jim Mora. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Playoffs. Um, playoffs? Let me start here. I'd be stunned if they did that. Stunned. So I just want to preface with that. I mean, is, is there an element, Eddie, that we've seen Ellinger? Haven't we seen him? Yeah. I mean, I guess we haven't seen him with Shane, but. And, like, and then part of me is like, are you doing anything in the playoffs, period? You know, I mentioned earlier looking up Minshew in relief versus not in relief. And again, I know completion percentages and everything, but I do think that's a big stat with Minshew because he is such a methodical guy. It is a lot of dink and dunk. Eddie, in relief, okay, the Tennessee and Houston game, he was 78% against Tennessee, 82% against Houston. Okay? So 78 and 82. In his six starts, these are the numbers. 64, 65, 56, 65, 60, and 61. Mm. So he's 13 percentage points less in relief than he was as a starter. So I do think there's an element of prepping. I, I, you know, can you get back to the Brown the Browns game? Is that when he had the big plays? Can you get back to the Browns play the Browns game without the turnovers? I, you know, is a healthier Josh Downs helping you out? I don't. I'm grasping a little bit here, but that's something that I do think of. But they've got a real possibility. And again, we'll get more into this here in the last you know seven weeks. But the one thing in the Colts' favor right now, more than anything, Eddie, is they're four and three in the AFC. And if you look at tiebreakers, that is a big deal. The fact that you have that conference tiebreaker right now, they have arguably the strongest conference tiebreaker of any of those teams theoretically in that wild card range now again the Colts are still going to have to you know in my opinion if you ask me right now if they got to 10 wins so that would be five and two I think they would get in four and three I think you would need help that would be nine wins um boy man those back-to-back Bengals Steelers because again those those are the team if you look at the AFC North right now like you want I think you want Baltimore to start to lose. You want Baltimore in the wild card picture. You want Cleveland to win that division because Cleveland has a head to head on you. Cleveland beating Baltimore was good for you yesterday. Yep. Let Cleveland ro- try and win the AFC North. You want Baltimore to get back in the wild card because you have the head to head. And I know that might be unlikely, but that's what you want. It's worth noting that Colts Bengals game on week in week thirteen, Cincinnati plays Monday night against Jacksonville. So they have this short turnaround, and that's a road game for Cincinnati. So they have to go to Jacksonville Monday, December 4th, then they come back home on Sunday afternoon and play the Colts. 
Are, are we done talking about the division? Was that an anomaly by Jacksonville? Uh, I don't think it was. Can you imagine if Houston beats them? Don't they play them in a few weeks and Houston sweeps them this season? Now Houston wins the AFC South? I'm so jealous. <laughs> KB right now, just so jealous. You know how infatuated I was with C.J. Stroud. Stroud. Yes. Yes, you were. You were a big Stroud guy. Yeah. I, I, I like a ball placement specialist. Yeah. I mean, he's just so good. The moxie, yeah, the, the swagger. Poise, the poise. The poise is just, it's it's through the roof. Yep. Wake Spike. Hey, guys, can we get the stadium's sound mixer from Germany game to come to Indy? That crowd was having an absolute blast. Tom Petty is fun and all, but maybe we need more Neil Diamond and John Denver. I thought the atmosphere was great. I, I, I loved that. I loved how the broadcasts, you know, to your point, Eddie, I thought we got some different camera angles. Um, you know, there was definitely a good amount of Patriot fans there, un- understood. Uh, it's their home game. You know, naturally, they're going to have more fans just because they've been better than the Colts over the last, you know, couple decades as you create fans. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're allowed to market in that region, too. You know, Stacey Dales, we had her from NFL Network on during the week. She's like, you will be stunned how loud it is. Um, you know, it's a very loud atmosphere, and it felt yeah. like that. Felt a little like collegey, almost. And I think the fan base has grown a little bit. I remember in 2016, it was just they would just cheer on fourth down. They just love the kicking element. Where now, I feel like <laughs> there's a little bit more of a we understand, you know, kind of what's going on here. Third downs, you're obviously going nuts for, you know, things like that. So, um, I thought it was great, man. I, again, I, I'm a fan of. I am a fan of the international games. Few more Twitter questions. Matt is up next from most to least likely to happen next season. Zach Moss in a Colts jersey. Shaq Leonard is still a Colts, or Anthony Richardson plays all 17 games. Thanks. Love the pod. Who finishes the year with more yards? Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss? Michael Pittman Jr. or Josh Downs? Oh, it's got to be Pittman, right? Yes. Yeah, I gotta be Pittman. Okay, well, throw that first one at me. Who is most likely to be in a Colts uniform? Rank the following three from most likely to happen to least likely to happen next season. Zach Moss still being in the Colts jersey, Shaq Leonard still on the team, or Anthony Richardson playing all 17 games? Oh, boy. That's a good one. Um, Surely it's got to go Richardson- Part of me wants to say no. Leonard? I mean, part of me wants to say no. I mean, like, am I right. really going to bet on Anthony Richardson to play all 17 games? I mean, how betting on any quarterback to play all 17 games is seems like a losing bet. I mean, there's no way Leonard's back, right? Yeah. I, if you made me order those three, I'd probably go Moss, Richardson, Leonard. But if I'm Zach Moss's agent, I'm watching yesterday, like, uh, one carry for my guy? One touch? And I don't think Zach Moss was on the injury report last week. One touch for him? Like, you know, again, there's an element of, you know, if you're Moss's agent, you want to satisfy two things. You know, best place for him to succeed contractually, but also he wants to get an opportunity. You know, he wants to get some reps, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's where I would go. I, I would say Moss, Richardson, Leonard, but, again, that's more just kind of an injury thing. I think there's probably a big gap. I, I would rather say none than, than have to commit to one of them. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or if I've said this on Querying Company, but to me, Zach Moss is a guy who needs to have 10-plus carries to be efficient, and if he's not getting 10-plus carries, then he's going to struggle with efficiency just because in those 10 carries, it allows him to get a feel for everything rather than hitting the hole and getting yards. Does yeah, that make sense? That, 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 that does. I also think there's – like I like some of the two-back stuff they tried yesterday, putting them on the field together. I would honestly like to sprinkle Taylor in a few more catches. Yes. Would he have 23 carries yesterday? Like take – okay, what if that becomes 18 carries, but you get him a few more perimeter touches? Because, again, the fourth and goal, what I thought was so successful is you didn't necessarily say, we're going to run it right at you like everybody does in short yardage. You said, no, let me get this guy in space. Even New England, with slower running backs, they found some perimeter success with Stevenson and Zeke yesterday in the screen game. Um, That's what I'd like to see with Taylor. You can have him and Moss in the backfield, have the element of Moss as a runner, but then Taylor's split out wide, and he can impact you in that way. They only called, what, three screens yesterday? Two to McKenzie and one to Pittman? Seemed a little bit lower on the... Yeah. 
Adjusted the game count. More. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just based off my memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. questions left. Uh, Jay and Tim ask a very similar one, and it's in regards to Shaq Leonard. There's no way the Colts can keep him next season unless he takes a massive pay cut, which will never happen, don't you think? He makes zero impact, and I saw some whiffs. Some bad whiffs that you also saw. It's crazy the drop off from where he was to where he is now. Yeah, obviously a lot of Leonard questions that we got. Um, you know, it was in that media scrum last Thursday, Eddie, when I thought he frankly was more fired up last Thursday when he was the previous Thursday. And I think the root of a lot of his fire just comes from how insane of a competitor he is. Yep. And, and that is a big compliment to him. And, and I want to make that clear. I think. Tiger Woods does not live in reality. Okay. Where does he live then? Tiger has tested his body to the limits in ways on and off the golf course that, frankly, he shouldn't. I don't mean that from his (laughs) endeavors late at night. I mean, he literally tried to become a Navy SEAL at one point. And it's like you've got to live in a little bit of reality and realize that you're not, you know, you are human. And I feel like in Leonard's case, again, he's such an insane competitor that he feels like he should be on the field every snap. Uh huh. And I agree with Gus Bradley in limiting his snaps. I frankly think Gus Bradley should be limiting them more, if I'm going to be totally honest. I think EJ Speed should be playing more snaps than he currently is. Um, based on what I've seen for 10 games, there's no way Leonard can be here next year. There's no way he can be here at that price tag. And what and the scary part about this is all along Gus Bradley was saying November is when they expect him to be hitting a stride again. And again, even if you want to separate those Bradley comments, let's go to the Chris Ballard side of it. One thing you hear from Ballard frequently about free agency and contracts is it's got to match our value. You know, our price tag is going to be different than other teams' price tags. Mm-hmm. That's why Leonard was worth a 36 pick in their mind. Because they felt like he was the perfect Derek Brooks, Will linebacker fit for the Matt Eberflus defense. Well, where is Matt Eberflus? He's not here. So when Leonard signed that contract, Eberflus is here. He's still in that sort of defense. Now he is not here. So the value to that type of player in this defense clearly is not there. Nor, in my opinion, is the level of play. Um, you know, if you go back and you look at. And yesterday was another one of them. I mean, Leonard had, you know, he he gets a big tackle number at the end of the day. He's got two solo tackles and zero zero splash plays. Mm-hmm. And I label splash plays as not just the turnovers. Yes, the the forced fumble, the fumble recovery, the interception, those are splash plays. Tackle I for also loss. Tackles for loss. Yeah. Passes broken up. Quarterback hits. You know, other things for me fall into that splash play. I looked it up leading into Sunday, Eddie, and I think over the last 10 games, Leonard had two, two tackles for losses, and EJ Speed had 13. And theoretically, they're, they're playing the same role. And again, Speed, yes, is on the field for a few more third downs, but I've watched Leonard throughout his career make many plays on first and second down as well. So, you know, when I think you are paying him $20 million not for double-digit tackle games, you're paying him $20 million to make the splash plays. Mm-hmm. And when that is no longer there and the value to your defensive coordinator clearly is not there, then he shouldn't be here or shouldn't be here at that price tag, however you want to look at it. Now, it is just such an unfortunate reality to this situation because it is injury-related, and it's a very unfortunate injury situation and in that it was two back surgeries in four months that need, was needed to correct ankle pain. And I tried to make this analogy before, and Eddie, I don't know, maybe you've observed this because you've been out at training camp, and I don't want this to come off. I'm not like trying to make a joke about it, but it is stunning to me Actually, someone from the Colts pointed this out to me. They go, watch at training camp when Leonard comes to the sideline and look at his legs. Look at the back of his two legs. Oh, yeah. And if you literally look at them, one leg looks like it got the Mario mushroom. And the other leg didn't get the Mario mushroom. And it is such a stark contrast between his good leg and his injured leg. And he's talked about his injured leg, of that sometimes dragging and that not feeling like it's all the way back. And clearly there's some inability from a strength standpoint to do what he does. I think it's the left one, if I'm not mistaken. That's the dragging leg versus the right one. Um, It is jarring when you see it up close. So, um, 
yeah, it's unfortunate that this is where it's trending towards, but in no way, no way, based off what you've seen this season, whether that's Leonard specifically or whether it's the usage of him and the value to what he means to your defense, should you bring him back? On the Shaq Leonard side of this, he says, well, it's hard for me to make those splash plays because I'm not in on third down. What's your counterpoint to that? Yeah, again, I I look back at his turnovers, Eddie, and so many of them have come on first and second downs. And sure, I mean, third downs, they do bring some more plays in the passing game. Um, And I know that he would also point out his roles a little bit more of a functionality of, you know, I'm supposed to you know, absorb, you know, a little bit more blocks and funnel things to the linebackers and, you know, this and that, or funnel things to Zaire, this and that. But then why, when EJ Speed's on the field, I see first and second down splash plays. Yeah. And when I see plays there to be made, they aren't made. Yesterday, case in point, obviously you saw the big screen pass. The first two plays of the game. Very early on when, I think it was Zeke, maybe it was Stevenson on that first screen, um, that was a whiff, and then obviously a big play after that, so... Um, do I think maybe, again, if he was out on the field for 70 plays, maybe we would have a chance to create a few more? Sure. But, again, when I look at the the, the last 10 games and Speed's got 13 of the splash plays and Leonard's got two and Speed's played 90 less snaps than him, and that was entering Sunday, those are pretty hard numbers to get away from. Yeah. Um, I greatly, greatly appreciate, appreciate Leonard's candor. You know, him and I have certainly had – some you know moments more probably social media related than anything over the years, <laughs> and I know he would strongly disagree with a lot of this. Um, so I appreciate him being as honest as he has been each of these past couple Thursdays. But if you're gonna if if I'm calling it honest, which is what I try to do, um, I agree with Gus Bradley, and frankly think it should probably be even more of a difference. Final Twitter question comes from Jordan, and I feel bad because this question is something along the lines of something I was just talking about regarding C.J. Stroud. His question was, am I the only one who's frustrated with the national media only talking about the Houston Texans? They have the same number of wins as the Colts, and the Colts beat them head-to-head. Not to mention, the Colts are doing this without their starting quarterback. And that last part is literally the only reason why Houston's getting more pub right now than the Colts. What's sexier, showing highlights of C.J. Stroud's two-minute comeback or showing highlights of Gardner Minshew bailing out of the pocket? Right. <laughs> I mean, the Colts are winning in spite of their quarterback. The Texans are winning because of their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he was the number 2 overall pick. And if I think the Colts were getting a lot of national attention even when Richardson was doing what he was doing early in the year. So I, I don't... Yeah, I, I'm not one that gets too caught up in the national attention. I tend to believe you create it, and you know when you beat a Cincinnati on the road versus winning in Germany over the two and eight Patriots, two and seven Patriots, it's just going to be different. I mean, Colts are going to get some chances here late in the year to prove it. So I, I know people get worked up a lot about that type of stuff. I, I'm not one that gets too worked up about it. I understand how it works, and um. Yeah, the Colts are five and five, and the Texans are five and five, and uh, yeah, C.J. Stroud is just—it's just juicier, man. He's just—you know—he's the—he's the guy that's going to be there for the next X amount of years, and Gardner Minshew's not. Mm-hmm. Colts—I don't know. I, I would have to look up. I don't know if the Colts played an easier schedule to this point than Houston. I probably have, um, but yeah, things any, will change. Got any big plans for the bye week? Colts Texans are they going to be uh, winner goes to the. Playoffs, end of the year. Playoffs. Can you imagine that? After last year, the season finale at Lucas Oil. Remember everyone crucifying them for tossing out their first round pick of this year. I know that was quite the move. To and get, I, I, and but, I do think one thing, you know, that staff, that offensive staff, is a lot of San Francisco based guys. And again, I do think, um, you know, what they have from a um, offensive staff standpoint. I'm pretty impressed by what Kyle Shanahan does, and I think you're seeing some of that trickle-down effect. Let's see. Their wins are against Cincinnati, Tampa, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Losses Baltimore, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Carolina. So yeah, they, right. they've beat the the better teams and lost to the non-competitive teams. Yeah, those are probably a little bit more no- notable. They still have Arizona, Jacksonville, Denver, Jets, Titans, Cleveland, Tennessee, and Indianapolis. So they have, they've got some relatively big games coming up down there in Houston. 
Um, okay, what am I doing on the bye week? I'm yeah. going to my first SEC football game. Oh, really? I'm thrilled. Where are you going? Uh, Tennessee hosting Georgia. If anybody's Ooh, been to Neyland, um, has any advice, feel free. Send them my way. Where I know to go, somebody. Where to tailgate, the whole thing. I know somebody. Former producer. Chris Presley. Yeah. I know. I need to dial him up. Yeah. He, uh, are you going with some friends? Yeah, going with some buddies. A uh, good buddy of mine lives in Georgia. He's driving up, and the three of us from Indy. And can't wait. Never never been to an SC game. Future Colts tight end Brock Bowers I'll be watching, right? Yeah, hopefully. Um, I am <laughs> slightly concerned, though. Uh, you did get the um, We Grow Hair Andy treatment last week. Correct. Uh-huh. Will you be able to protect the dome and the future lettuce that'll be flowing? So, I... I- I am Saturday. allowed to wear a hat right now. Um, your eyes are being exposed to it. I, I would say this haircut is not SEC approved right now. Would that be fair to say? It honestly looks like my my hair situation right now looks like one of my buddies cut it in the coke lot the night before the Indy 500 back in 2011. <laughs> but uh, we're talking, like my hair right now looks like Mac Jones, but I feel like by the end of the week it could start looking like Dio Dangbo. Mm. You feel me on that? I do. Trevor okay. Lawrence just flowing. Yeah. Thank you to the great folks at We Grow Hair Indy. Process has been great. Honestly, the recovery hasn't been bad at all. I don't know. Maybe it's going to hit me like a ton of bricks. But outside of a little uh, awkward hair for a few days, maybe a few weeks, highly recommend them. Um, some big news from Cincinnati real quick. Trey Hendrickson got injured on that. Um, yeah, that looked ugly. Yeah. Just a hyperextended knee is what uh, they believe to be the situation right now with him. They're hopeful that he's only able to miss a couple of weeks. So there's a chance that he could make his return against the Colts on December 10th, depending on how severe the hyperextension is. Home to the Bucks, at the Titans, at the Bengals, home to the Steelers, at the Falcons, home Raiders, home Texans to end the season. Um, you've got an opportunity. You've got to play better football, but you have an opportunity. And honestly, with what a lot of Colts fans have witnessed and seen and experienced over the last couple of years, I get fandom. And uh, there's, I think, a lot of just hope, intrigue. Don't know if it's going to go very far. Don't know if you know necessarily all of a sudden I look at this team much differently in terms of, wow, they can make the playoffs and or get on a run. I haven't seen that over the last couple of weeks, but we'll see what the bye week can cure if anything. Eddie Garrison, have a great bye week, man. Thanks, you too. Everyone, check out uh, the website, 1075thefan.com. Plenty of content up there. And always, thank you for watching, commenting, liking, whatever on YouTube. Echo what Eddie said. Everybody have a great week. We'll be back on Monday.